Well, uh, we are kicking off a brand new series of sermons called the Top Ten Verses to Memorize because uh, when it comes to a new year, uh, we resolve to get better in our lives, at least, at least maybe through mid-January. But we resolve to get better in our lives, perhaps physically or emotionally or mentally. And one of the best ways that we can actually get better spiritually is by memorizing Scripture. So that's something that we're going to challenge you um, as adults. And also our children and students are going to be doing this too. The same passage each week uh, as we go through this. And by the way, I'm going to do it Letterman style. We're going to start with number 10, 9, 8, 7. And obviously, you, you could have your own top 10 list. So uh, by no means does this come from God or heaven or something like I didn't see a, a hand right on the wall, okay, starting with Philippians 4, 6 through 7 on the first week. So, But um, I want to start by talking about, when I, when I go through a, a, a challenging week or a tough week, one of the things I like to do is I go to a website called The Onion. Anybody been to The Onion before? You really, yeah, you, re, you, read, you read this sort of online uh, newspaper that's full of fictitious stories, and it makes me laugh, and sometimes it just feels so good to laugh. I came across this one. Uh, the other day, Gatesburg, excuse me, Gatorsburg, Maryland. Local man Marshall Pratt, 34 years old, came tantalizing close to kicking back and having a good time while attending a friend's New Year's Eve party last night before, before remembering all of his professional and personal obligations, sources confirmed. While cracking open, cracking open his Red Bull as he chatted with friends over a relaxed outdoor meal, Pratt was reportedly seconds away from letting go and enjoying himself when he was suddenly crushed by the full weight of work emails that still need to be dealt with. It's great to see you guys, said the man who had been teetering on the brink of actually having fun. Everything, everything's fine, said the tense, mentally absent man whose girlfriend asked him what was wrong. I'm having fun. Platt, who reportedly sunk into a distracted haze after coming to the razor's edge of experiencing genuine joy, asked the question, who made the guac? It's delicious. But... All he could think about was the fact that his recently married sister was coming to town next weekend and was going to stay with him, which reminded him that he needed to clean his apartment, which reminded him that he needed to buy extra bedding for his sister to sleep on, which reminded him that he had to make an after-work trip to Bed Bath & Beyond, which reminded him that he also needed to go to the grocery store because his sister would think he's irresponsible if she saw the empty refrigerator, which reminded him that his parents already were married, had a house, sex, successful careers, and two cars by the time they were, they were his age. Towards the end of the party, he slipped out of the back door and said, Happy New Year. And that's so true, isn't it, for us? That we might be somewhere, and yet our mind is elsewhere. We might be, perhaps it was last night at a New Year's Eve party where you were present, but your mind is so uh, consumed with other things. Maybe it's worry, and as Kay uh, so eloquently uh, demonstrated and talked about in the children's sermon, that children, students, adults, our minds get full of worry. And it's so easy for us to be consumed by that. And yeah, we, we turn the calendar over, it's a brand new year, but still... Those problems, those things that consume us, those worries, they don't go away. It's not like you can just kind of park them in 2016 and they don't stay with you. It's something that stays with you. And this morning, I want to look at a passage where the Apostle Paul actually addresses this for uh, a group of Christians in the city of Philippi. So if you have a Bible, I'd like to invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. 
Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. And what we're going to do during the 10 weeks is that we're going to begin the sermon by reciting this out loud and then at the end reciting it out, out loud as well. Okay? And this is in the New Living Translation. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. You guys can say it out loud too. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Let me pray. Father God, as we step into this new year, uh, we ask for your abiding presence in our lives. And God, I pray for your blessing, your anointing upon this message. Um, this is a message that I think each of us need to hear and be reminded of. Uh, because the, the, the human uh, MO is to worry. Uh, when we don't have control, uh, when we don't uh, feel like things are going our way, we tend to get overwhelmed with worry and concern and anxiety. So God, help us to let go. Help us to embrace this new year um, with your presence, realizing that you are near. And God, I pray for each person that's here, whether they're new to faith, maybe it's been some time since they've been away from church, and maybe this is brand new, not knowing the book of Philippians, I, I pray that they would feel comfortable, that they would feel welcome, that there is no expectation on anybody who walks through these doors. And God, our desire in 2017 is to give you glory, is to bow down and declare that you are God. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Well, as we dive into this passage, I want to kind of get a little bit of context. In other words, in your teaching notes, it says, what's going on in Philippi? Well, Philippi was a major Roman colony in Europe, in today's Europe. And in fact, in uh, 51 AD, Paul came there. So 18 years or so after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul makes a missionary journey to Philippi, and he wants to begin a church there. And he meets some faithful Jewish women and shares the gospel. And pretty soon, a church uh, evolves and begins in Philippi. And there, Paul goes around Philippi sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And pretty soon, this church is kind of coming together. Things are happening really well. In fact, it's the first Christian church in Europe. The first Christian church in Europe was Philippi. And he's writing to the Philippians because they were experiencing serious problems after he left. Because when, and when Paul writes uh, Philippians, he's in jail. So he's writing from prison cell or he's on house arrest. And he's writing to the Philippians because he's hearing that they're experiencing serious problems. First of all, they're financially strained. Next, uh, these Judaizers, in other words, opponents of the Christian faith, were trying to come into the Philippian church and telling them, no, 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 simply having faith in Jesus Christ and being forgiven by his grace isn't enough. You got to do more. Uh, guys, you need to be circumcised. Uh, the rest of you, 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 you need to follow the commandments of the Old Testament. And you need to try harder in your faith. So they were saying, you need to add layers based on human effort to really be a true Christian. And we do that to this day, don't we? We add layers. We can't forget that the grace of Jesus Christ is a free gift that you can't earn. So Paul is trying to write to them because of this attack, because they're fearful 
uh, these Judaizers, these opponents, are trying to break up this new church. And also, pretty soon, physical needs began to appear among the members of the church. And what happened was uh, division was beginning to happen. There was disagreement among the church members. And pretty soon, it got to be a little chaotic. So Paul writes this letter to the Philippian Christians just to encourage them, among other things. And we come to chapter 4, verse 6 through 7. And this is apropos for what's exactly happening in Philippi because they're consumed with worry. And I think there's two lessons that we can glean from these two verses in Philippians. Verse 6, Paul says, Don't worry about anything. So you're teaching notes in your Bible, underline anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, instead, pray to God. Pray about everything. Tell him what you need. Tell him what you need and thank him for all he has done. Okay, Paul's saying right away, don't worry. Now, that may seem really empty. That may, you know, like, don't worry. You've had people come up to you and give you advice. You're going through a hard time, and all they say is like, yeah, don't worry. And it sounds so dismissive. You're like, you don't understand the weight of what I'm going through. And when we read this, we might think, well, well Paul, it's, I mean, it's easy to say, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. It's almost like a cliche. But he's saying it for, for a reason. Is because in verse 5, let's jump back one. Let everyone see that you're considered in all you do. And here's the big one. Remember the Lord is coming soon. In other translations, it's the Lord is near. The Lord is near. As a result, you don't have to worry. But we do. We do. Worry and anxiety is something that many of us uh, experience on a regular basis. In fact, in uh, 2015, uh, there was 78.8 million Americans that were prescribed with anti-psychiatric drugs for anxiety and depression and such. And there's, I would say, a number of us in uh, this uh, congregation this morning that suffer from anxiety. My dad has it. My sister has it. I have it. And I've had a few panic attacks in my life. Now, you might think, gosh, he's up on the stage and he's preaching. Why would he have anxiety? Well, I'm actually more comfortable up here than I am in other settings, which seems really weird. That's, that's me. Weird, okay? But I found out several years ago, I was in a meeting. Uh, as a pastor, I was in a meeting in kind of an enclosed space. And, um, and it got to my turn to, to talk. And all of a sudden, my heart started beating really fast. And my throat just kind of clamped up. And my hands were sweating. My hands were trembling. You know exactly what that's like, those of you who've had that. I thought I was going to die, honestly. That, that is no, uh, uh, I'm not exaggerating. I thought I was going to die. I could barely get the words out of my mouth. And the other pastors that were there were, were looking at me. They could tell something was wrong. And this is something that I've had to manage in my life. And I found out that there's certain environments, and for me, it's an enclosed space with a small group of people. So whatever you do, if you invite me to your house, make sure there's plenty of room. <laughs> there's plenty of room in the house. But it, it's something I had to manage. I can't tell me how many times I've recited this passage over and over as I've dealt with this my entire life. And I think it's kind of God's humor that I'm actually a pastor who preaches on a regular basis. Uh, but that, that's what God does. 
his power and strength come through our lives in, in our weakness. And I'm reminded of um, Jacob, that he asked God to bless him. If you remember that story, and, and he wrestles with an angel or some kind of representative of, of God, and he has this wrestling match, and uh, before he lets the angel go, he demands to be blessed. And the angel reaches into his hip socket and pulls out, um, some people say it's one of the strongest muscles in your body, a muscle right out of his hip or thigh. And he's blessed. He's called blessed, but he walks with a limp the rest of his life. I believe in the power of weakness. I believe that it's in our weakness that God's strength is proven. And that's a story, a big part of my story in my life is that God has worked in and through me, even though I, as I've had to manage this. And some of you know, have experienced that as well. But for me, is to realize that I don't have to worry that I can manage this anxiety through godly friends, yes, through medication, yes, but also through the fact of the truth and the promise that the Lord is near. And so many times I've experienced that. The Lord is near. That his presence is right there. The Lord is near. And as such, because the Lord is near, and as we uh, pray about different problems, different uh, topics in our lives, and we tell God exactly what we need, and then we thank him for all that he has done for us, it helps us, doesn't it? And, and for some of us, it's simply, maybe in 2017, is to pray more and be specific in your prayers to God um, and asking for his help and his strength. Others of us, it's to look back, to have gratitude. That's what Paul is saying. It's not simply just to, to pray, but also to have gratitude, to give thanks for all he has done. Sometimes it's looking back in the past, and this has helped me personally, looking at how, how God has provided for me. And when I feel anxiety come up, to look back how God has helped me through other times, other experiences. It gives me confidence. It gives me an awareness that he's near and that he's giving me the strength and hope that I can get through this. So for, for all... Many of us, it's to look back at God's provision that he has provided in so many ways. And as a result, we can trust him, as Kay talked about. But I think for many of us that right now there might be a problem or problems and you can't get it out of your head. And as I'm talking about this, your mind is fixed on this problem. It's almost like, it's almost like it's a 75-inch Ultra HD big screen TV. And it's all you see. When you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing you think about. As you go about your day, it's all you can see. It consumes your day. As you try to go to sleep at night, which may have been, may have been hard lately, it's all you think about. And physically, you're getting sick. And you're not sleeping. Because your eyes are fixed on this ultra HD problem that you can see it in rich color and great resolution, and it's all you see. And what Paul is saying is take your eyes off that. Put your eyes on God. He's near. Tell him what you need. And look back on all his provisions for you. The Lord is near. Reminds me of a friend of mine who recently uh, told me this story that uh, as she got her kids ready for school, as she does in the morning, and made breakfast and got them on the school bus and then took her youngest to preschool, she came back to the house and 
something just kind of snapped. She looked around the house, and everything was a mess. The kitchen, the living room, everything was a mess. And this, this vitriol, this anger inside of her head, like, why can't anyone pick things up? I know none of you can relate to that, parents, right? But, but she just snapped and, and was so angry. And, and then also just, it felt like she had no control over her house. And then she made her way over to the laundry room. And as she told me, the pile of laundry rivaled the, the height of Mount Kilimanjaro. And, and then all of a sudden, she just broke. Just started to sob. Just the lack of control. And just the concern, the worry. And just being overwhelmed by the weight of her life. And how it seemed like she was failing as a mom, as a wife. And it began, as she said, this, this weight. And inside her head were these voices of like, you're a failure, you're not a good mom, you can't take care of your house. But she said it was in that moment. Um, it wasn't an audible voice, but she just felt the presence of God just saying, I'm here. It's, it's going to be okay. I'm here. We'll get through this day. And she said the, the presence of God in that laundry room, it was like a, a sacred place. I think for many of us, we think that it's coming to church where we actually feel God's presence. But God's presence is found many times in the very ordinary places, including the laundry room. When's the last time you, you felt God's presence like that? And, and maybe for you, it's to take your eyes off your worries and problems and simply pray to God and allow him to speak into your life, to know that God is present. So lesson number one in your teaching notes is don't worry. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Next, in verse 7, this is a very important verse because he says, then when you do that, when you pray about everything and tell God what you need, and you give thanks for all he has done, then, I'd like you to circle that word, then you will experience what? God's peace. God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. That's a big statement by Paul. Two big statements. First of all, the promise of peace. Secondly, that it's beyond human comprehension because I think we take a lot of confidence in the ability of our brains. And we read about and we see great intellect in our civilization, don't we? Uh, there's something I came across recently that they have every year what's called the World Memory Championship. And it just shows these people who have incredible memories. And in last year, uh, this, uh, this one uh, pre-med student, Alex Mullen, right there, 24 years old, he won it. And he was able to memorize a deck of cards in 21 seconds. Okay, it takes me five minutes sometimes to remember my cell phone. You know, sometimes it's like 15, 20 minutes to remember my address. 21, actually 21.3 seconds. It was a random deck, and he was able to memorize that, and he won the World Memory Championship. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. That ability of the human brain. Or you take a person like Marilyn Von uh, Savant, who, in the, according to the Guinness Book of Records, has the highest recorded IQ. Uh, she's 70 years, 70 years old now and writes a column for uh, Parade Magazine uh, called Ask Marilyn. And her IQ, according to Guinness Book of Records, was 186. 
So we are marveling. I could go on and on about this, the, the human mind, but Paul says, I don't care if you can memorize cards in 21 seconds. I don't care if you have an IQ of 186. Uh, uh, you can't fathom, you can't comprehend God's peace. You can't understand God's peace. Now, it's important for us because when we come to God's peace, we, we, we see it sort of as mysterious. We, we see it sort of abstract, esoteric. I mean, what, God's peace, it's like it's floating up there somewhere in, in the clouds or something. But then in the, in, the, in the following passage, he really breaks it down. God's peace is real. It's powerful. It's transformative. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, that's a word picture. What Paul's saying is that this peace is not something like, oh, peace, you know, peace to you. No, no, no. This peace is so real that it actually comes into your life. And he has a word picture. He says it will guard your hearts and minds. And what he's talking about, and I, I think Paul is looking at a soldier, or a couple of soldiers perhaps that are, are around him. They're guarding him, Roman soldiers. And he's thinking of a garrison because that's the exact word for that, guard. It's the, the uh, idea of a garrison, a pl- platoon, a group of troops that are guarding and defending an area. That's what a garrison is. And he's saying that God's peace are like troops that guard your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? How many of us would long for that, to have God's peace be so real, so palpable that it, it would guard our hearts and our minds. It, guard, it would guard our life in this new year. What are the issues? What are the problems that you're facing in your life right now where you need to give that to God and tell him about that and then allow God to bring his peace into your life? Now, it's important for us to understand Peace, this kind of peace that Paul's talking about, this is not something that we can manufacture on our own. This is supernatural stuff, okay? I was looking at different world religions and, and different philosophies and different worldviews about how, how to have peace in mind in the new year. And I came across a lot of stuff. But this, this one worldview is very, very peculiar to me. And it goes like this. You can achieve peace in mind by doing this secret thing. Automatically, I was glued in. Secret thing. What is that? Okay? Expect the negative in all things. Expect your spouse to let you down. Expect your friend not to show up for lunch. Uh, expect things not to go according to plan. Expect your roommate to not do, do dishes or pick up their clothes. Expect your glass to break. What kind of advice is that? Who wants to go about their life? Always thinking the negative is going to happen, kind of like a Murphy's Law worldview. That's what exactly what that is. And it, it's all sort of based on human effort. And what Paul says in a, in a different passage, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, he says the peace of God that we're talking about here in the Hebrew shalom only comes from God. It only comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not the peace of Craig. It, it's not the, the peace of Tom Noss. It's not the peace of Tom Lundberg. It's the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit who manufactures that, who, who makes that happen in our lives. The fruits of the Spirit, it's called. Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness. Yeah, Paul is saying this is something that comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. So, I just want to pause 
what are, where, where is your heart and mind these days? Is it consumed by your problems? Is it consumed by the number of troubles in your life? I, I like how Max Lucado in uh, his book, Come Thirsty, which, by the way, I, I highly recommend. It's a great book. And in there, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase and edit a little bit of the story, but he talks about when, when, you and, when you and I go through stressors in life. Imagine, for example, he writes, that you go to your doctor, and your doctor tells you that you have a lump, and the only thing they can do is operate. What do you do in that moment? What do you do in that moment? Or perhaps you're at a job interview, You've been unemployed for a while. And you find out in that interview that they, ha- they like another candidate and they tell you they're not interested. What do you do? Or maybe you find out from the school or from, your, from a friend or something that there's something wrong with your son or daughter. Something seriously wrong. What do you do in that moment? And he kind of gives two comparisons. The one is... As you walk out of the doctor's office, as you walk out of that job interview, as you hear that news from your friend or as you observed in your child that there's something wrong, so many of us drink from, I would say, the cup of worry, the cup of anxiety, the cup of not having control. And at first, it doesn't taste well. Okay, that's really bad. Oof. I practiced earlier. I, I think I still have a stomachache by uh, practicing this. But anyways, this is bitter. But anyways, we just drink from it over and over. I mean, after a while, it's like, it's like the taste. Uh, we don't really uh, mind the taste after a while because we drink it so much. We drink from the cup of worry over and over again. And we think we're going to be able to figure things out. And we just sip from it. And, and we get used to it. And pretty soon, this bitter taste that I concocted in the kitchen uh, before the service today, uh, we don't mind it after a while. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, get rid of that cup. Dump it. I'm going to go over here and throw it out the door. Come on. There we go. I got I to do some lift weight, uh, weight lifting in uh, 2017. But instead, Paul says, drink from the cup of prayer. That's what Philippians 4, 6 through 7 is all about. Get rid of that other cup. Drink from the cup of prayer. It's refreshing. Brings health. Uh, gives you strength in life. Let's take a look at the passage that you have your teaching notes. At the back side, look, look at all the verses. And we could go page after page. And it's where God says over and over, Drink from the cup of prayer. Drink from the cup of peace. John chapter 14, verse 27, he writes about having peace. And then Colossians 3, 15. And then Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 29, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. It's where you and I drink from what Jesus wants to provide for us. I love Isaiah 26.3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I want to encourage you in this new year to drink from the cup of prayer and peace. And this peace 
as it goes beyond any human comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And in your teaching notes, your part is prayer and gratitude. God's part is peace and protection. So as we begin this new sermon series, I want to encourage you, you have an, you have an insert with uh, Philippians uh, 4, 6 through 7. I want to encourage you to memorize that. We're going to have what's called a scripture memory challenge. You don't have to memorize in 21.3 seconds. Uh, but what I want you to do over the course of this week, um, in fact, I'll mention it at the end of the service too, but we have these little, little clips. You can clip them on the vent of your car. You can uh, put it in, on your refrigerator, put it on your mirror, uh, put it up somewhere visible you're, some, where you're going to see it a lot, and, and, and try to memorize it. And once you memorize it, what we want you to do is uh, actually shoot a video of yourself doing it and then uh, send it to mgcc at maplegrovecovenant.org. You'll see our, our uh, uh, email address on your program. And what we're going to do is that we're going to pick one random person and there'll be a prize next week. So if you're going to be gone next week, just make sure that you, there's someone you can trust that is going to give it back to you and that could uh, receive it on, on your behalf. Because it's something that we want to inculcate in our lives as we grow and get better spiritually. So again, memorize Philippians 4, 6 through 7. And we're going to do it each week and we're going to have a prize each uh, following week. And by the way, we won't post your video. We'll show it, but we'll get your permission first, okay? That sound good? Okay, let's say this out loud one more time. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let me pray. God in heaven, we thank you so much for your word. Your word is the bread of life. And your word speaks powerfully in our lives. And God, help us. Help us to drink from the cup of prayer the cup of peace this year, to turn everything over to you. And God, in this congregation, there are serious problems people are facing. And there might be others that think, oh, this problem really isn't that, that big of a deal, even though it consumes their day each day. So God, we want to surrender that to you. And we ask for your Holy Spirit to produce that peace, the peace that we can't manufacture, that we can't produce, but your Holy Spirit can. And that your peace, like a garrison, would guard our lives and guard our families. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.